Hi, I'm Bill Finn. This is the second part of a two-part interview. Now that the first half of the interview is over, let me be your Sherpa as we leave the comfort of base camp and push for the summit. It's time to get your cramp on. Yeah, it's season three of the Bait and Switch podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch podcast. My name is Jim Martin, and as always, my co-host Chris Blair is with me. Hello, Jim. Our guest tonight, he's a teacher at the uh, Milwaukee Institute for Art and Design. He's a phenomenal artist, an incredibly talented illustrator. I have seen a lot of his work, and it's, it's amazing. He's uh, done some theater. He's done some improv, recently engaged. For you folks, most recently, uh, perhaps you've heard him uh, on our show as the character Pembroke Bucksworth last week, uh, and his name is Andy Bernier. Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on today. Well, thanks for uh, inviting me. This is great. How's it feel to be engaged? It's been, what, about a month now? You know, it's, it's great. Honestly, the whole coronavirus outbreak was one of the things that really made us go, we should probably be married. I mean, we've been together for a while. We bought a house almost exactly a year ago. So we've been living together, you know, and, and sharing a house and, um, mm -hmm. and it's, it's ours together and everything. And it was like, yeah, we should. So that so was kind of the start of it all. So you're saying that viruses are inherently romantic. They are so romantic. <laughs> Not to mention they make planning a wedding uh, wonderful too. We are going to oh, be sure. uh, getting married soon. So it was, it was about like a month, I think we've been engaged. So in two more months. We're going to be married. We're going to do the whole wedding online streamed. I found out that uh, I, I was, um, last year I, uh, I was ordained. I actually married Grace's sister. Sounds bad. How right. do I put that in a way that sounds <laughs> to her husband. ordained? Right. Yeah, I married yeah. her husband. Wait, her, yeah. So uh, I was ordained <laughs> in order to do that. But as it turns out in Wisconsin, uh, the person who's ordained, who's doing the wedding can be the two people who are getting married so we can you can marry we, yourselves yeah the officiant i should say not the ordained we don't need to be ordained we just need we can we can marry ourselves yeah so, so it's kind of like the the actor that's directing himself exactly and that's what it's going to be like we're going right. to we're going to have a camera outside uh we're going to like in the garden and she's excited about her dress nice. i'm excited about all that stuff too we'll have some pre-recorded speeches from like my family members and stuff it's going to be like a perfect wedding for us and then when things get better, we're going to try to have parties with, you know, friends. So sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, nice. Yeah. So it's kind of like, like a player coach. Yeah. Are you, are you the coach in this analogy? I feel like I'm all of the parties involved, but mostly yeah. the coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that's, wow, that's cool. One of the advantages of that is potentially there are going to be people who maybe couldn't have made it to the wedding. Oh, my God, can, totally. you know? I'm busy that weekend anyway, so I'm sorry I can't make it. Oh, yeah. oh, it's too bad. I was going to get you a link. I'm a little you too busy for the link. Right. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I, I've, been, I've been wanting to, to propose to my girlfriend for a while. And I had this really great idea in my head. When she was born, her dad had a birth announcement that was really sweet. It was, it was kind of a conversation between him and uh, his wife before the baby was born. Like, hey, Brian, did you make the birth announcements? Oh, the baby's not due for another like six months. Like, give me a break. And it kind of goes back and forth. And as a good artist, I stole that idea completely. 
There you and go. That's how I proposed to her. I had a, a sheet of paper laid out the same way. So it was very sweet. Nice. She loved it. And when I told her that my original idea was to write marry me in fire on the hill in our backyard. Oh. She was very happy that I went with this the, the car option. Yeah, right. Yeah. But the, you don't have to clear it with the fire marshal. Right. <laughs> so, right. That's important. You know, Jim, <laughs> Jim has seen your work. I have not seen your work. And I'd imagine even with the wedding announcement, there's a certain style that, that you've developed. So as an artist yourself, not just a teacher, but as an artist yourself, do you think you have an identifiable style? Jim, does he have a style that screams angry? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. And so my question for Andrew is, do you think it's more important for you to develop a style or are you worried about being typecast as having a style? You know, it's a, a great question because uh, when you do kind of visual art, that's going to be kind of the question that you you are going to be asked a lot and you know when you do any kind of acting any kind of art form i think you you kind of get into that right there are certain actors who uh absolutely go into their roles and they disappear and then there's the actors that we all know that don't like jack nicholson <laughs> is jack nicholson in every movie and so is keanu reeves and like there's kind of a a, a difference right to be a superstar you need a very well-known style. But to be a working artist, you need to be able to do everything. Yeah. And I think it just kind of depends on, on how you, you get there. I've never uh, considered myself an artist. I, I'd never say that to get sympathy or anything like that. It's really just kind of like a, uh, a truth to it. I think that there's something about um, how we define ourselves, uh, which is important. I, I, I never have just because I never felt like there was anything I wanted to say in a bubble. If there weren't other people around, I would draw nothing ever. I wouldn't make any kind of visual art. Everything I've ever done was for other people. As a matter of fact, Jim, you were with the, the stuff that you saw online of mine mm -hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. This, I can't believe it's so long ago already. It was like 2017. I started to do a live video show just called Andy Draws Stuff, yeah. where I'd get onto Facebook Live. It was like right when Facebook Live like started. And I would just say, hey, what do you want me to draw? And people would comment on stuff they wanted to see me draw. And I'd make art. I would just draw whatever anybody said and made a finished piece of like art. It was like ink and, and drawing and stuff like that. Yeah, it was uh, cool. Yeah, it was really it's, fun. It's neat, right? And yeah. I ended up making a whole art show out of it, which was really, really great. Yeah. And yeah. um but, but honestly, like if there was nobody giving me input and nobody to show it to, I wouldn't do it. It's yeah, not, it's, yeah. it's not, it's not, not like, something that I care about. The, the whole idea that there's no real original thought, right? Everybody's got influences and they draw from them and they come up with their own style. That's an amalgam of that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I, I would tell people that I don't feel like I have a style, but that's something I learned when I was going through art school is that you do. It's just kind of something that happens and mostly other people will see it before you do. Um, yeah. And that, that's what happened when I went yeah. through my education. I brought this up because I was watching one of those docudramas on the History Channel where they have historical events going on, kind of a history along with drama built in. And it was about Hitler. Thinking, you know, when they cast Hitler, the casting director looked at him and go, you're Hitler. I mean, <laughs> no, that but, might be uh, tough to be typecast as Hitler. Yeah, 
Yeah, but how does it pay? Yeah, rats. Yeah, I mean, not, not that I wouldn't, you know, scoop it up. But it, uh, I mean, it, you're the go-to Hitler. You know, you're, you're the guy dead. when they think Hitler, they go for right. you. You're right. a dead ringer for Hitler. What? <laughs> there a was a Academy Award-nominated film this past year uh, where the director was the one who played Hitler. That Jojo Rabbit. I don't know if you guys saw that one. I did not no. see that. No. It is a comedy about World War II. Uh, when he played Hitler, he was very over the top, and all of the things he did were things that like Hitler would like never do. Like eat, he ate meat, I think, in the movie, smoked, uh, which I yeah. think Hitler was totally against all these things. Hugged he was, people. Yeah, Hugged he, people. Was, he was compassionate. <laughs> he was playing an imaginary friend. It was like this little kid had Hitler as an imaginary friend, which just oh, okay. showed you that the kid didn't didn't know anything about Hitler. It can be a brave move, and it can go poorly more often than not. So I would yeah. say, uh, to answer your question, I don't think that my style is much like Hitler's art style. <laughs> no, I'm not implying anything. <laughs> well, he, he was an artist, and yeah. uh, at least that's what they say. I right? didn't know he was a vegetarian, too. Yeah. For, we don't want to go too far down the, the Hitler rabbit hole. <laughs> but I was thinking there's that plot oftentimes in a sitcom where the characters have a list of celebrities that if that guy hits on them, like Brad Pitt, hits on yeah. your girlfriend, then she's allowed to leave you, right? Yeah. And I think back in the 1930s or 40s, there had to be some woman that had Hitler on her list. Yeah. He was... Some, he was attractive. There, you, yeah. you watch those old videos of him giving his speeches, and there's just like tons of women oh, in the man. front, young women rolling just, their bras at him and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's like a yeah. like a Rolling Stones concert. He was now, charismatic. Now, yeah, he con- was. Yeah, yeah. Now, conversely, there's docudramas, movies where some guys cast as Jesus. I mean, yeah. Willem Dafoe played Jesus, and I would never right. have cast that guy to be Jesus. No. You mentioned Keanu Reeves. You see him as uh, as Jesus. A little too I mean, laid back. I, f- I felt <laughs> no, no, because I see him too much as like Bill and Ted. <laughs> yeah, I just I just watched the third Keanu Reeves uh, John Wick movie with my dad for Father's Day. We set chairs pretty far apart in my house. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We actually were in the theater to see that movie on Father's Day last year, and um, I accidentally bought tickets way too close we were like in the second row oh. and uh he, we sat down and he was like i can't you think there's an actor out there that could both portray hitler and jesus <laughs> wow willem yeah. defoe maybe yeah right he's a wisconsin guy he is appleton he is. right there also liberace i don't think that gets uh mentioned enough yeah liberace, that that's, that's from true. west alice there, there was somebody else i don't know why i was look, looking at a list of wisconsin celebrities recently it's something to do with the quarantine i'm sure whereas like that's that's where it came down to right i don't remember any of them i shouldn't even brought it up gene, gene wilder yeah i yeah. had a uh i had somebody i know that went to high school with gene wilder really i know somebody who knows somebody who went to high school with him yeah yeah, yeah. i was never i was actually uh, never a fan of any of his movies i did not like willy wonka no it's creepy no so it was very it's very creepy he's fantastic in it Yep. Yeah. Well, what what about you? I mean, come on. You do you feel like when you uh, do you feel you like your style dictates kind of how you talk? How do you kind of go about doing doing what you do, or do you, you know, feel like, hey, I'd like to be a little bit more? You, you know. talk about podcast wise, right? Because you were, you were saying before that uh, you know you wouldn't do it if nobody was going to see your stuff, right? right. And, but we have to because no, we we know nobody sees this, but we do it anyway. No, I think. Um, I play the bumbling fool, right? And uh, the, the 
goofy blonde guy. And uh, yeah, I roll with it. I try and portray it the best I can, you know, without actually yeah. dipping into real life. But, you know, that's where I'm yeah. at. I think we kind of, I shouldn't say stumbled upon our style, but I started coming up with names potentially for the podcast. And the first one I came up with is the one we used. It is kind of the theme of the podcast generally that we try and have a podcast where you, you think the podcast is going in a certain direction and then it, it goes in a different direction. Right, right. Um, I'm a very impressed because you, with this podcast, are doing something that I, it's hard for people to do. Like, take something and do it and do it consistently. Uh, when you're, you know, an art teacher, you're like, hey, you know what you got to do all the time is draw. You have to draw every day. Do you draw every day? Probably not. Did you, mm-hmm. did you get your assignment done for today? You didn't do that either. But those are the kind <laughs> of things that like, hey, this is what you have to do. Are you somebody who wants to uh, make comics for a living? Uh, you know, the best way to do that is to just start making comics. Comics, right. Like, <laughs> every, every day, do a page of a comic. And then in, at the end of a month, you'll have a full 29-page comic. Then you can take a day, a break, <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> move on. But it's, it's such a hard thing to do. Um, especially when you're young, I think to, to, to find that kind of focus, um, in, in any kind of art form that you do consistently practice, that you do consistently do it. Um, and it's, uh, it's really, well, you guys are at the, uh, like in middle of season three, where are you guys Correct. at with your, that's right. That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah. So congratulations about, with all that. You talked Thanks. about having a schedule and drawing every day. Uh, I do get kind of antsy and nervous if we're getting a little too close to our production schedule we always have (laughs) six or eight in advance and with this coronavirus thing we did not Mm -hmm. record for about three months Mm. and we're getting to the end of our (laughs) pre-recorded podcast and uh i i kept saying to jim we got to do something because i did not want to vary from that schedule i wanted to make sure we had new material uh and did not run out of material is that why you wanted me to record for the next nine hours yeah Right, okay. right. That's, that's what yeah. I thought. Uh, I was so, wondering. I was like, that seems right. like a long time. You just want to pad. Yeah. Pad your, okay. we, yeah we, need to, we need to replenish our savings account, basically. You know, here's the great thing. As soon as you guys hit like maybe one more year, then you can start doing best of episodes where you just go back and like cut out like best things. Mm-hmm. It's mostly going to be this episode. I get it. I'm in it. I understand. Sure. Yeah, um, but you know, yeah, then, then you yeah. can just do that for like a couple weeks. I'm, we beat you to that, Andrew. We oh! that <laughs> our second episode was a best of episode of our first episode. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. What, what we, uh, what we do is every, what, every fifth week or so about uh, Chris will put together a highlight uh, reel from, from one of our interviews, you know, so he'll pick out like three uh, little sections that he feels like it's the best of kind of of that particular episode. That way it was originally done, I think, just to give people kind of a taste of of the podcast itself, give give them a feel for it so that it would kind of introduce them and and pull them in and make them want to listen to more. Actually, you, Andrew, uh, as Pembroke came up with a good idea, we should record ones with us just sleeping. (laughs) It's good, right? (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. I actually think that just coming up with inventions is really fun. When I, uh, when we got to all of that part of it, uh, sure. those were all actual ideas that I had at some point um, <laughs> of, of products that I think nice. would be amazing. Here's one that I've got. This is footwear to show off your individuality. And the company's name is going to be called 
Socks to be you. Ah, it's good. Ah, it's nice. really great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Josie is a huge inventor. She's always got ideas in her head, and and I don't know if we want to take up too much time with with my eight year old daughter's inventions, but she <laughs> she's I've, I've had to try a couple of them. And uh, why don't me and Andrew will kind of be like Shark Tank? Go ahead and pitch, yeah, pitch it. Sure. Her pitch best okay. idea. Okay, so one time I was taking some medication. I think is uh, antibiotics. And it was really, it was a huge pill. It was really bitter. It was like the worst tasting, whatever. So she, she was thinking like, wow, how can we do this? So she came up with a, a she calls it a, a pill shooter. She, she, her, in her head, it was a gun that had a pill on it. And the, it shot the pill in your mouth. And at the same time, it shot a stream of water straight to the back of your throat. So she, she actually came up with a prototype. Except, <laughs> <laughs> so it really just kind of melted the pill and made it like pill water then and stuff. But let, it's just a prototype. Let me ask you, what are your sales to this point? <laughs> well, it's, you know, there's some, there's some, some bumps in the road, you know, some, some things to be worked out still. I think. Do you have an online pill shooter following? Not at this point, you know, and that's, I think that's where we're, we're missing the boat. I think we got to get something out on Instagram or Twitter. You know, I got a picture of me using, using the device. And I'm holding it up and tipping it my head back. And you can see Josie's smiling face, like all lit up, looking up at me from <laughs> down below. Where I'm trying to use this, this. So maybe we should get that out there, get the word out. Is there, yet. is there a rectal version of this pill gun? Ooh, I won't mention that to her. Okay. No, uh, not to, not there's to her. not, there's not. At this Does she listen to this podcast? <laughs> No, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, Jim, I'm going to pass on this. Uh, Andrew, if you want to go for it and offer him some money on this, but I'm going to pass. Look, if you do one of my Pembroke subscriptions, uh, I will 100% take this idea. Then, and run then you're it. in. Yeah. You always hear about those uh, inventors and they get mixed up with these companies that take all their money and whatnot. There's got to be somebody out there making money with inventions, but it, it always yeah. seems to be an elusive thing. Right, right. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, game inventors out there. I think people think it's easy to invent a game when it's actually really, it's hard to do. I, and I only see that coming from, uh, the, I think I saw Shark Tank twice. And both times I saw game guys on there like, this is the 12th year I've been peddling this game. Like, ah, you got to take the hint, this, I think. I, maybe I told you this story and it kind of ties in with this. Back in college, I would, and Jim knows this, that I would come up with games yeah. and uh, force them on my friends, or I'd come up with variations of games. Yeah. And we started playing Stratego. Are you guys familiar with Stratego? Love yep. that game. Mm -hmm. And I came up with this variation of Stratego where we had new pieces, like a frogman that could cross the lake mm -hmm. and, uh, and a nuclear bomb and things like that. And people started liking it. Sure. And I had the whole dorm room playing nuclear. It was called Nuclear Stratego, I think. <laughs> and, and this one guy in particular... This one guy in particular would really harp on me. He said, you should call Milton Bradley, and you yeah. should see if they're interested in this variation of your game. Yeah. And he said it five, six, eight times, and I just kind of ignored it. Fast forward a couple weeks later, I go down to my mail slot, and in my mail slot, there was a piece of mail from Milton Bradley with this guy's name on it. Uh, oh, Not oh. my name, but the other guy's name on it. <laughs> right? Uh -huh. And so I came upstairs to my dorm room 
And I was kind of livid. I'm thinking, oh my God, this guy's trying to steal my idea. Sure, right? sure. And that somehow it got stuck in my mail slot. Right, right. So I start telling the story to my roommate. And my roommate, Ken Chong, he's from Singapore. I said, I got this piece of mail from Milton Bradley. And it's addressed to Andy or whatever the guy's name was. And uh, Good I, name. I think he's, tra- <laughs> he's trying to steal my idea. My roommate said, Milton Bradley? I said, yeah. He said, oh, good. That's for me. And I said, what are you talking about? What? He would send out random letters to different companies hoping to get freebies. Mm. He just happened to pick Milton Bradley <laughs> in this guy's name. Really? And, wow. Yeah, it was a total coincidence. I was just minutes from going and confronting this guy. Right. I was going right. to go and just start screaming at this guy about yeah. trying to steal my idea. Yeah, guns are blazing. Right. Oh, that's, did he get freebies in it? What was in there? I, he wanted coupons. He wanted, I don't know what he wanted, but, but the idea that it just so happened that he picked this guy's name and that product, you know, it was just a perfect storm of me almost making a jerk of myself. Sure. You talked about, we talked off air a little bit about Dungeons and Dragons and characters that developing. Maybe you can develop your new character, Pembroke Bucksworth, into some type of real uh, character here. I think uh, I think I might have to. He's a smart guy. I might have to take some of his uh, his advice as well. I mean, yeah, yeah. money stuff. It's just so elusive. I can't fathom any actual kind of like money past like thirteen dollars. After that, it's just abstract it's just, to me. Yeah, like what? Well, I think crazy. that's true for most of us. Also, I bought a house a year ago, and it turns out that when you own a house, everything that you have to do in this house, like, oh, I got to get a new sump pump. Oh, I got to do this thing. I got to do this thing. It's either at least $1,000 or it's like 20 grand. Those are the two prices that everything is. There's no in-between. It's like, oh, you want, uh, you want a patio in your backyard? Cool, 20 grand. It's like, oh, a sump pump? Uh, it's $1,000. That's price it. Point. Anyway, uh, Andrew, uh, good luck in your, uh, your future venture here as being a married man. And, uh, and and forking over all that money for all those home repairs. <laughs> yeah, Andy, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate having you on here. We've been uh, trying to trying to get you on here for a couple of years now. I mean, I can go back and see all of the text messages that I've ignored. So I believe you. Right, right. <laughs> all right. Well, let's wrap it up. Thanks a lot, Andy. Take yeah, care, thanks, you guys. Andy. Thank you again. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast for our annual preview of the Tour de France.